welcome to the Lost Sierra Stories podcast, produced by the Sierra Institute for Community and Environment. My name is Nina Martin, the Communications Coordinator at Sierra Institute, and your host for this podcast. We wanted to start this podcast to capture stories about the resiliency and challenges facing people in our rural area during COVID-19, both to capture this time in history and to keep us connected as a community. In this podcast, we will explore stories of our local economy, the arts, healthcare, food systems, education, and more. We're starting the series by focusing on education as it's one of the more impacted systems struggling to maintain balance during this pandemic. We will be exploring what education looks like and how it's working now that it has suddenly been flipped on its head in the middle of the semester, no less, to remote and virtual learning here in Plumas County. Today is our third episode of the Lost Sierra Stories podcast. If you haven't already, I'd go back and listen to Christy Warren's interview, which is episode number one, which lays the foundation for how the district rolled out the remote and virtual learning that has to take place during this pandemic. Today, we're hearing from Tom Brown, a very new principal at Quincy Junior Senior High School. Hi, Tom. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the podcast. So, as I understand it, you're fairly new to Quincy High School. Can you tell me when exactly you started? (laughs) A super long tenure. Uh, I believe my first day was March 16th. That was a Monday. That was my first day. And we had a snowstorm that caused a potential three days of school out because of snow. But the same exact day was the first day we first time we canceled school for two weeks. So or put went to the distance learning for two weeks. So that was my first day on the job in Plumas County with Quincy uh, Junior Senior High School. So that so however long that's been pushing a couple months now. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we're kind of in yeah two months this week. That's wild. That was your first day. What a inauguration into being the principal at Quincy High School. Right. The week before there was a. I actually had a meeting that I started the week before and uh, I went to and there was the mountain lion that was over in Pioneer Park. Oh, right. Uh, and so that was, that was my induction into Quincy, right? Mountain lion, snowstorm, COVID. Uh, it's been wonderful. <laughs> where did, it's been a great experience. Where uh, where did you move from? Uh, Reno, Nevada. Okay. So had you had you visited Quincy in this area before? I have been up in the area quite a bit before the, the Plumas County, all the way from the, the Quincy area, all the way up to the Chester uh, Almanor area, up that direction. So I'm definitely familiar with Feather River College and um, the Quincy area. Um, fair, fairly familiar, much more familiar now, obviously, that I'm living here. But uh, it's, um, yeah, very familiar. So, okay, so let's go back to that. Uh, you get hired, I'm assuming, I don't know, a few weeks before or, you know, so you then your first day is March 16th. Uh, we have a crazy snowstorm, which is such, it was a wild time for all of us. I've had a, a few people mention that because what a what an interesting start to this whole quarantine, shelter in place. Um, and then, yeah, and then schools slowly start to, I mean, and then, I mean, three days later, you guys closed. So kind of let's go back to that and tell me about what was going through your head. What conversations were you having with staff, with the district? I mean, what did that look like for you on the ground? Right. For me on the ground. Well, one, I offer a unique perspective, right? Because um, I was just starting. And so me on the ground, we have a transition period for myself and the interim principal, Miss um, Warren, that uh, we had a transition kind of in mind. And of course, this all hits. Um, and 
what does that look like? So what's going through my mind on the ground is, you know, probably a lot different that I don't know anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to uh, be in a position to lead a group, uh, support students, support family in a position where I'm learning everybody. Uh, and literally the you know introduction to the staff is on a Zoom meeting at some point. Um, and I honestly, Nina, I don't recall the, the series of events, how, when that came to be where I sat in a Zoom meeting with staff and uh, said, here's the incoming principal, Mr. Brown, <laughs> and every, you know, wave. And it literally is like a 30 second introduction to the staff. And, um, you know, we hit the ground running. So really what was going through my mind is how best to support our students and staff, um, what needed to take place. And you really don't even know what you don't know at that point, like how it's going to roll out. You know, of course, we knew there was going to be technology issues. We didn't know how deep they were. Um, you know, there's a learning curve for everybody, really. I mean, I didn't know what Zoom was. I didn't know, you know, uh, fortunately had used Google Classroom quite a bit. So using Google Classroom, Google Docs, that type of stuff was not foreign. Um, so that was a real positive. Um, but, you know, what's going through your head is, you know, how do we how do we do this? Like we're in it. We're in a, and at the same time, as you start putting that forward, you're thinking about how do we do this and it's support the families and what people are going to be going through, too, because there's, you know, literally trauma that's involved in what people are going through in their lives. And that's had to be a constant you know, uh, thing in the front of our minds as well is we're not just we're not doing online education that everybody signed up for. Nobody signed up for this. And so that has to be thought about. And that's in the forefront of our, our minds too. that social emotional component of everybody and what's going on in their life. So that's the initial phase. You know, what are we going to do? <laughs> How do we do this? And kind of getting everybody's minds together, you know, and start big picture and then hone it down to what it looked like when Tuesday hit that first week of what was called um, supplemental learning. You know, how do you get to that point where teachers are meeting with kids on Zoom during the supplemental learning time? And that was kind of our first task. And and we got there. <laughs> yeah. I think you made a really interesting point about the this is not the online learning that people signed up for, right? That this is not this was not a active choice because and I think that's it's interesting because there is this whole component of how do we make, you know, education available to everyone and I think a remote option is, is one of those and not in COVID-19 times and, and outside of that, looking at kind of different platforms for virtual learning and, and what the potential for that is. And there is so much potential and there is so much, you know, um, benefit from that. But for students that now are, this is being forced on them. It's a very different kind of interaction with these online platforms. And I, I really appreciate that kind of viewpoint of what does it mean to, to care and to consider students' social emotional health right now in amidst of, of yeah, of, of really tumultuous times of change of, of if there's any trauma going on, you just can't separate students' lives from, you know, education apart from the, their circumstance. So, I mean, I don't know how you really can do that. And I'm sure teachers and you are navigating that too like how do you actually address that but I think just considering that is very important so I'm happy to hear that that's you know being thought about 
Well, quite frankly, it's really, it honestly goes in our conversations here, it, we talk about it going ahead of the academic component in people's lives. I mean, it, we have to consider it. You know, there's families out there that, um, you know, severely impacted by this. Um, and so you're asking them to say, hey, spend six hours on Zoom classrooms and, uh, you know, like you know, you're doing there with your cat running in front of you, you know, and let's, those are the fun things that we have, right? But, they, you know, I mean, there's somebody that may have to be taking care of their little ones or they're just I mean, it's it's impacting everybody's lives. So you have to everybody has to have some empathy and compassion um, and not assume where people are coming from um, and what's going on in their particular life and how everybody has their life circumstance right now. Um, and, yeah, nobody like. If this was something, if we all signed up for online classes, this really wouldn't be a big deal, right? Like, hey, we're do, we were already doing online classes, but we, you know, we often talked about we cannot take what we were doing Monday through Friday, eight to three, and then put it in the Zoom world and Google Classroom world. It's not going to fit. Everybody has, and then that it wouldn't fit if we didn't have COVID and all the economic and societal impacts that are going on, right? Like that, it wouldn't work there. We have to think outside the box, let alone you put that all on top of it. And we've really had to uh, work hard. You know, it's been a different level of work and then keeping that, you know, and the what's going on with our community. And then you can't reach out. It's very difficult to reach out to them because you can't reach out. Everything's digital and everything's, you know, so that whole human side is, is very difficult to manage. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's been interesting, but you know, people have, uh, taken on the challenge and done a great job. Honestly, it's, uh, the, the guys here and I think in Plumas County in general have really, uh, met it head on and are really looking out for the best interests of the, the kids in the community. And that's probably the best thing. So as far as how you're supporting staff, right. The, the job of the principal is, you know, supporting your school, supporting your, administration, your teachers and the students. So what does that look like? I mean, you barely, you don't really have a relationship with them yet. And I mean, I imagine on some levels, maybe not in your case, because you were new, but principals were tasks, tasked with this kind of like unifying, you know, the district has a plan and each school is going to have their own plan. So tell me a little bit about how you have been navigating that and how you're, I guess, supporting your teachers. One conversation at a time and many, many emails and uh, Zoom meetings, but it's actually been real interesting, Nina, is that, um, you know, of course, getting ready to take over and lead and support a new community. A lot of thoughts go through your head. It's not, you know, I do have um, a lot of years experience uh, doing the job and supporting the school and, um, but transitioning still a nervous experience and, you know, you want to do the best you can for a community. So there was a lot going in my head originally. And then, so I start and then this hits and everybody said, man, it's a crazy time to start. But honestly, it's been, I built, I think, and maybe the you know the staff could maybe say something different, but I think we've actually built some relationships very quickly in this time period. It's been very unique. And And I think all the leadership books I've read and all this stuff, this is a very unique experience to just begin in this state of almost crisis, you know, trauma and upheaval, but there's no time to do anything but get the job done. 
that we just got to get to work right away. I think actually in a world that's been filled with negatives lately, that would be a positive that we didn't have to worry about anything but working. And that has allowed us to grow together quickly as a community. Right. You have like a shared problem, right? Like I'm like, this is an issue. It's not going away. You have to address it. And so I think to try to step up and be a leader in that time, like, gosh, like what the lessons that you are learning, other people are learning, you know, how do you meet the needs of people in this kind of environment? I don't know that we've ever had that before, you know? So. No. Yeah, we certainly haven't, you know, and, and I guess you just, I mean, to part of it, honestly, Nina is just putting in the time and being sure you're there. I mean, part of being, in my opinion, this position is being there for people and being responsive to their needs. And that's, I mean, to me, that's what the job is. And first and foremost, be it students, families, or your staff. And so part of it is just being there and finding answers for them, providing support for them when they need something, um, setting them up so they can get their job done, you know, is, is, is organizing things in a way that allows them to do their job of teaching and learning with kids. And actually, again, we overlay that with their job now, unassigned, didn't sign up for it, but, you know, looking out for the social, the that the emotional component. And we do talk a lot about that in education now, but it's even more so in this time period. But um, yeah, it's just you know, getting up and going, okay, here we go. Like what's the day going to hold? And every day is different. Every time we turn around, there's new challenges, it seems like. Uh, and just providing, you know, trying to keep everybody um, going in that direction of uh, supporting our kids and their families. I think it's too, it's a, it's a calm kind of leadership. People are probably looking to you and even if you don't have the answers, you know, facing it with, you know, with grace for yourself or everyone else. I really like the idea of empathy as a cornerstone for, for success during this time, because it's like, yeah, you can't keep working and operating like things were before. If, you know, you can't just, it's like just taking a model that was, for this circumstance in this environment and then just trying to pick it up and, and place it in a remote virtual world with coronavirus is just, you know, it's not really realistic. And I think there's a transition there for all of us to realize that we couldn't just kind of like, okay, we're just going to do everything from home, but it's all going to be the same. We talk a lot about in our staff meetings is know where you meet your kids, where they're at. You know, we have a, the, the nice thing is we have a lot of staff who are working at home that have kids and have families. You know, and so they're they're understanding, you know, really to have empathy is about having walked in somebody's shoes a little bit. Right. Sympathy is you just feel bad for somebody. It's not what anybody needs. They need empathy. You need to kind of understand where they're coming from. And fortunately, I think most of our staff has some empathy. They know where people are coming from. You know, they have the possible the, the newborn at home they're taking care of while they're trying to do their Zoom meeting. Right. They have four kids and a spouse or a partner that is working online and they have connectivity issues. And so they are feeling the same pain <laughs> that our students are feeling. They may have somebody in the household who is not employed anymore, uh, may be receiving unemployment benefits, may not be receiving unemployment benefits, may be worried about that. And so our staff is able to meet our kids where they're at, truly, because some of them are living it, you know, and a lot of them are what the students are going through. Uh, so they understand that. First, you know, the, you want to, they want to have stuff, they, they want to provide some engaging activities for students 
who are at the place to participate in those engaging activities, but understand that those aren't that aren't we're we're reaching out to them, and we are. We're actually, you know, we have intervention teams, and our teachers are constantly reaching out to students, but. We also have a team on campus that meets regularly and talks about who are we not seeing, who's not, and not from a place of why aren't you like in a negative sense, but why aren't you in a how can we support you sense that what's going on, that we can provide something for you. Um, you know, we're trying to reach the connectivity part with some of our stuff that in the district's been super supportive in that way. Um, but there's others that aren't connecting, not because of technology issues. And so we're trying to get not to judge, not to assume where somebody's if they're not participating, but um, reaching out to them and uh, that constant conversation then. Right. Like every staff meeting talking about this type of stuff and not going, OK, what assignments and what grades are people getting? And, you know, how many essays has somebody turned in? And the first conversation is, how are people doing? We actually check in as a staff like that. Because our staff goes through it. <laughs> it was like, okay, let's check in. How's everybody doing? You know, and uh, have some time for that at every meeting. Yeah, that's great. It's it's a really interesting time where our social lives and our work lives are becoming way more, you know, integrated in ways that are good and bad. Um, you know, you don't want your whole life to be work, but it's you're working from home and you're or you're working in a different you know environment and you're dealing with, you know, it's just an interesting kind of connection and trying to make that those spaces, but then also trying to make space in your work life to check in. I think it's nice. Can you also just touch on, you know, right, like this is a stressful time. There's there's a lot going on. It's it's a difficult kind of environment to work in. How do you feel like you're maintaining some kind of positive outlook and helping your staff stay positive? And what does that look like for you? Yeah, if if I had a bad attitude or negative, it would be real tough, right? Like, and I'm not. I do let the staff know, and I'll get on meetings sometimes ago. I said it's been a rough day, or I'm, I've had the pity party for me this morning, and you know, I let them know that it's okay to you know, have that. I have that too. And I can get sour about the state of the world or, you know, this, but in the end, we need to spend a few minutes like that and, and try and rally around our jobs and do what we can. You know, I mean, most of us are, we're fortunate to be able to come here and do this. So yeah, that it's not just like a Pollyanna positivity, you know, <laughs> like, you know, everything's groovy and let's, what's wrong if it's not, uh, you know, it did rain today and it has rained on us. Right. And, it's okay to admit that and also know that we're all in it together and let's, let's move forward um, and do, do the best we can, you know, and have some uh, grace for those people who may have a bad day, you know, maybe feeling a little sour is know that that's okay. And, um, but we, we need to, or, and, and, uh, but and we need to move forward, you know, and supporting our kids and their families. Um, so yeah, that's that's where the, that outlook comes from. Is uh, just you know we're that's the job we have to do. So let's get it done. Right, there's a need. You got to keep going. Yeah, no, but I like that. You, yeah, normalizing that it is okay to not be okay, but we still have to keep yeah moving forward. And and we're all going to hold each other up at different times. So the days that you're having a bad day, maybe someone else is going to step in a little bit. But you know the days exactly you can really. Um, give that back. So that's great. I know that there's a lot of unknowns, but have you thought at all about next year? I mean, what are you kind of thinking as a staff, as an an individual about kind of what it's going to look like going forward? 
I think the interesting part, Nina, is what does this change the landscape of education after COVID? Yeah, I mean, that's my question, too. I mean, for you, is there anything that you've that you've seen happen that you'd like to continue to happen? Well, I, whether it's I'd like to see it continue, you know, um, I I try. I, I like to see us meet the needs of our students and students. What I think we've learned here is that and I'm a comprehensive high school, like that's my nature of what like what what I, you know, my personal like thing is is leading a comprehensive high school you know you you have the the band you got the the, the bunch of activities you have art class you have you, know, you have welding but you have ap classes and you have different sports and clubs and you know you have the cafeteria open and there's the library whatever just this idea of this involved community in a high school and that's cool right like that's that's a fun for a lot of people uh, but not see it's not for everybody and i can't let my personal like that slant, I do know that there's some students that doesn't work for. And over my you know years as being a, a leader is that I think the biggest thing is that we try and meet the needs of our students by providing them education that meets their needs, that fits how they learn. And that's been difficult for our system over the years, right? Like, I mean, from the get-go, everybody learns the same way. Everybody come to the same model. Everybody go to the same class, follow the same bell, go to, you know, do everything, show up at this time, leave at this time, just like everybody else does. Turn, do the assignment this way, you know, test it this way, you know, it's multiple choice. It doesn't matter if you're a, if you can audit, you, you can verbally tell everybody the answers. I need you to do it on this multiple choice test, you know, and uh, it doesn't, it's just learning styles are different, right? You may learn stuff by hearing and never taking a note, just by listening. You may may be great at music and not. And so I think what we've learned out of this is that there's a lot of students who like learning this way. (laughs) And so going forward, is there a place for more differentiated experiences in school? Or do we just go back to, hey, everybody show up at eight o'clock and leave at three thirty, come, you know, follow the bell schedule and take your textbook out and, and get your pencils and do it this way or. Do we provide students and families with alternative ways? Obviously, I don't have a grand plan to make that work, but you asked me what I've what we've learned from this is that we've learned that there's a lot of kids who learn great in this environment. Actually, they appreciate it. They don't mind staying home and doing all their work online. <laughs> and 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 they're they're very much uh learners in that world. Uh so I think we have to going forward, if that it's going to be really interesting to me to see what impacts after COVID all this stuff has. You know, I think one thing for sure we've learned is our teachers have learned an enormous amount of new tools for their teacher toolbox. Right. Sure. Definitely. I think having those different tools and being flexible and trying out different things and having this time to just take risks and see what works and having a platform to, you know, just try new things, I think is definitely a positive. But what about how we help students after this time or we help them, you know, get caught up because there is going to be some loss. They've missed, you know, technically three months of their school. I know the beginning was not mandatory. So, you know, not everybody was showing up and and participating. And some of them are just they just have too much on their plate. Their stress levels are high and they have a lot of other things to worry about 
rather than, you know, just school. So what are some thoughts on how we kind of close that gap in the fall and, and help students who are, you know, really struggling um, kind of recalibrate and get back into school mode? Yeah, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I think there's some there's some nice uh, anecdotal, you know, uh, things out there we can look to. I think people have actually pointed out, you know, places like, I think it was Katrina down in, in Louisiana where kids lost a ton of time, right? What I, we learned out of that is that they were okay, you know? Yeah, it's difficult. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not sure how they proceeded forward. I haven't researched it. But, um, the, you know, people will talk, talk about it and say, you know, those guys academically is they, they were able to move forward. There's loss, but I think it goes back to, um, you know, meeting the kids where they're at and not being, I think, and that you'd laugh at this probably, I call it the F word, is we have to be flexible. <laughs> we have to be flexible in what we're thinking and even content and curriculum wise, we have to be flexible because, in the end, most of the content, and this is a little secret, don't let this one out here, but most of the content and curriculum we teach can be looked up on the internet. What we really want kids to learn are critical thinking skills. We want them to learn to be a learner. We want them to learn to use the, the skills, then use research skills and technology skills. And not that learning the content is, is very important, but that's to be this, that you can be a learner. I mean, I taught math and kids would always say, what do I need to know this for? And say, well, one, the test next week, but you you may never need it. Like the only time I ever used math pretty much was because I was a math teacher and maybe to build the geometry in my garage. There's definitely, if I was going to be an engineer, I would need it. But a lot of the math is important because it's a critical thinking skill. Um, So we can teach like, so in our math content, we may have to look at where our kids are coming from and where they're at as we move through the process next year instead of going well we just lost six of time so how do we get to the next page well we might have to rethink some of the activities we're doing in class but the most important thing is that they're doing activities in class not necessarily the content of those activities if that makes any sense yeah no it definitely does i mean i i think I mean, speaking from my own personal educational experiences both primary high school and college the biggest things that i've taken away from all of that education, you know, leading up to college and now after is that critical thinking. I mean, I, I would say I couldn't tell you everything I learned in all of those classes. You know, unfortunately, a lot of information is lost that you don't use. I think that's just, I mean, everybody has that. Um, but something that, you know, I'm so thankful for is, is being able to think, you know, critically think autonomously, being able to have your, you know, form your own opinions and, and be able to kind of like decipher. There's so, I mean, you're going to have information thrown at you your whole life. You're going to have to navigate. And so I think, especially when you're in high school, I mean, a huge part of that is just helping students become the people they need to be in a nurturing, supportive environment that fosters creativity and, um, and I think just a sense of, of like worth, really. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of that you're getting from your teachers and the and your peers is just a sense of belonging, and that is something that's going to be a very interesting piece to try to maintain distance wise. You know, because that's, you know, how do you keep showing students that you care? I mean, it's I, I think it can look like phone calls, it can look like letters, but it's going to take you know teachers 
um, and, you know, fellow peers, a little bit of creativity to meet those needs of each other by saying, hey, I see you. I care about you still. I know not we're not together, but you matter because I mean, I know that I got a lot from that when I was in high school. Just show, you know, you show up someplace every day and you there's this like you join a community, especially because our Plumas County, our schools are so small that you know, you, you really get to know your your fellow classmates in a way that's just so unique. Um so I think how I don't I think it's possible for sure. I just think it's going to take some you know, thinking outside the lines. And, and some of that is cool because I think it ta- it forces us to stop, you know, making things, you know, black and white. So, um, yeah, I guess that part of the belonging though, it's like really how do we keep making students feel seen, especially those students that might not have a very healthy home life. That's kind of my big concern just as a personal, like a community member, you know, how are our students going to out of this and are they still going to feel supported um, mentally emotionally so yeah for sure you know we definitely and i think maybe what one positive i would say nina is what i've seen when i go into zoom classrooms that it's it's pot right now the teachers and they had the difference is they have had relationships with kids can you build relations how how do you build relationships with a new group you know will be the test of course but there's a lot of good connectivity going on in our classrooms i see they're, the classrooms I go into them are very interesting animals, to so to speak. When you go in, and the and the the kids and the the staff are that are doing those classrooms, there's a lot of social emotional connection going on in those classrooms. So that's actually a positive. Like I said, now given a brand new set of kids, what that looks like will be very interesting. Uh, but I think over time, they build and they hopefully will grow and they can build some of those connections. Not all the ones that we, you know. We want to have not everything, and that may be where like the blended part comes in. So if we can have people on campus, you know, what maybe this time that we spend on campus is more not necessarily academically academically oriented, but oriented around the things you're talking about, building those connections, building those relationships, building that that pride in being at your school and, uh, you know, supporting each other and getting to know each other, getting to know your, your, your teacher, getting to know kids, kids getting to know each other, uh, building those things. If that's the model, you know, and if, if, you know, if we're in some sort of blended sense, so that when you go to the online version, you have some of those connections, right? They actually know each other because you've, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting. The online meetings has, uh, um, they, there's, there's definitely some connections going on, which is cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. But, and sometimes it's nice just to be able to see someone else. I think there's an added layer you know, it's different than just a phone call. Oh no, ab- absolutely. The whole, that whole like FaceTime zoom squadcast, whatever it happens to be is uh, definitely, they, I call it the 2d world. You know, it's nice to see people in 3d, but you know, most people I know right now I've met in the 2d world. So okay. you're not really flat. <laughs> okay. This is good. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much for this time. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you for your perspectives. Sure. Good luck with the rest of the school year. I hope it finishes as smoothly as it can. The Sierra Institute for Community and Environment is a nonprofit located in Taylorsville, California, in the eastern Sierras of Plumas County. The Sierra Institute for Community and Environment's mission is to promote healthy and sustainable forests and watersheds by investing in the well-being of rural communities and strengthening their participation in natural resource decision-making and programs. If you have a story to share, please contact us by emailing me, Nina Martin, at admin. A-D-M-I-N at sierrainstitute.us. 
or calling 530-927-9621.